McGoey on his own. He gets the try. The Red 78. We're both monster people. Nobody knows monster rugby better. Carberry gets over the line. Try from Munster. Available every Wednesday. Don't miss a moment of action. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. I'm delighted to say Sue Ronan is with us to look back on the Republic of Ireland's defeat at Hamden Park. Sue, good morning to you. How are you? Morning, guys. How are we keeping? A uh, good uh, mixed re- mixed assessment from the supporters that we're we have uh, making contact with us this morning. What was your assessment of how Ireland played against Scotland? Do you know, I mean, I really enjoyed the game, I have to say. Uh, it, it was a great match between two teams that really went at each other, especially at the beginning, and, and that's something the fans love to see. Um, it had a real local derby taste about it. I think Scotland came into the game desperate to win. Um, they they really wanted to put that result uh, in Dublin, or that defeat to us in Dublin um, from earlier in the summer. They wanted to put that to bed. So there was definitely an element of revenge there, despite um, Clark, Steve Clark playing that down. Um, they were also on a high, I think, having beaten Ukraine midweek, you know, so it made for a tasty game. And that's exactly what we got. It started fast and furious. It was energetic. It was feisty. Um it was on the edge at times. There was tackles flying in. Um, but I think when it settled, uh, we were very, very comfortable. Um, I, I really thought we were excellent in the first half. We were comfortable on the ball. I thought we controlled the game. Uh, we were composed under pressure. Scotland press was very high. We were able to play out against that press. Um, we showed lots of energy all over the park. We had options on the ball. And we were composed, as I said, defensively. And, and like we didn't give the Scots a chance to settle. Um, we, we got after them as well. We pressed them high and, you know, the, 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 the front two got after them and, and they were backed up really, really well by the midfield three. Um, and I thought they did their job really, really well. You know, it was a big test, I guess, for, for Cullen and, and, and Knight and Malumby because they were up against some very experienced Premier League players in the Scottish team. I thought we did really well. You know, they were they tirelessly backed up the attack and then did their defensive duties as well, got in the blocks, etc. Um, I thought our wing-backs caused lots of problems, particularly Doherty going forward. I thought he was excellent. Three centre-halves were really, really good. Coat with Dykes really well in the air. Anton, that was thrown at them. Nathan Collins was taking the ball out of defence. So, you know, overall, it was a really, really good first half. Yeah, unfortunately, in the second half, obviously, uh, we stepped off a little bit. Um, like, do you see much of an evolution in terms of how we're trying to approach these games from the start of the Kenny era? Because, again, one of the, the uh, charges coming in from some of the supporters are, oh, it's the same old situation. We haven't improved uh, from the start. He's still not getting results. What's going on? Has there been much of an evolution in the style under Stephen Kenny so far? I think there has, you know, I think it's obvious there to see. Um, I mean, I think we were a better team than Scotland, you know, we, we at least deserved to draw on the night, I think. Um, okay, it didn't go well in the second half, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in more detail, but I, I've definitely seen, you know, an evolution in this team. I'm encouraged by them. The last three performances have been very good. Um, we are still a young team. I know, you know, some of the players have been around a while now, but they're still very young and they're maturing under Kenny, I think. Um, I think they're growing, but they do need to start backing that up with results because at the end of the day, it is a results-based business. Um, 
I think we need to start eliminating uh, these defeats and matches that we do dominate um, or against teams that we should be beating, the likes of Armenia away, the likes of Luxembourg at home. Um, because, you know, when, you, when you're losing games, obviously that's going to sap the confidence. Um, but I think the team is grown and we're only going to get better. I think the future does look bright. But of course, at the end of the day, we do want to win matches as well. And that's the key thing that will be put against Stephen Kenny constantly. Like the way you described that first half there, it's this great yeah. half for Irish football yeah. and they lose the game. So what yeah. happened in the second half that Scotland were able to regain control of the match? Yeah. And, you know, I've been like like everybody else, I suppose, you're scratching your head. You know, I mean, it wasn't really that it wasn't tactically that it went wrong. I don't think in my view, I think we started the half OK the first couple of minutes, but then conceding that sloppy goal within five minutes. I mean, that does knock a bit of confidence, I suppose. Players are probably thinking to themselves, Jesus, this is happening again now. So that, that's not helpful. But I think we did react well, but it really was a sloppy goal to, to concede. I mean, Doherty put in, you know, a half of an attempt to block a cross. Um, Hendry had ghosted into the box. You know, I think Egan had him in his sights, but then sort of got drawn to the ball for a second, split second, and it's in the back of the net. Um, so, you know, that doesn't help. And we weren't, start, we, we did gather, um, a little bit after that. We had a really great chance, I think, with, um, Parrot. Uh, we, we covered on a great counter attack, some great pace from Obafemi, and he really picked out a great ball to, to Parrot because in the first half, there was a similar situation. We probably didn't make best use of the ball, but Parrot really should have scored and he probably knows it himself, but it seemed to get stuck under his legs. And maybe that's a sign he's not scoring so many goals. Like, club level he didn't have that confidence but if that goes in it's a different game again um you know but we we were certainly in it but i i think scotland definitely got in our faces more in the second half and we didn't deal with that they started to win the midfield battles particularly um our midfield three were excellent in the first half maybe they struggled a little bit in the second half cullen was on a booking maybe didn't help him um and i don't know maybe it's just that experienced players and getting in our faces and we weren't able to deal with it, you know, and, and it was a shame. And then, of course, giving away um, a silly penalty late on. I think for me, the all the substitutions together, um, I think Ogbena came on early enough, but the three substitutions in the 75th minute, I know you're going for broke at that point. You're looking to try and, you know, to, to get something out of the game. But I think that disrupted the, our rhythm a little bit and we weren't really the same after that. So, what happened? You know, I don't know, really. We, we, we definitely have dropped our standards. Scotland raised theirs. The crowd got behind them. You know, they got in our faces more. We just weren't able to deal with it. And maybe that little bit of quality there to see out the games and the execution just wasn't there. That's something we do have to improve on going forward and we need to improve on it quick. How do you do that? <laughs> How do you do that? Well, you just keep going back to doing what you're doing, the training ground, I guess, and... Yeah, I mean, it's up to the coach to try and help the players through those difficult moments. Um, you know, I think, as I mentioned about the experience in the Scotland team, and it does, you know, it, it definitely helps in matches. You know, they've players playing at that higher level. They can bring off maybe similarly level players from the bench. We probably are a little bit shy maybe in certain areas on, from the bench. We weren't able to affect the game. Our subs weren't as much as we wanted. Um but yeah, it's a tough one. Just keep doing what we're doing, I guess, and and try to get over that 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 uh, that pump. That's the problem for us, you know. We we've taken the lead now. I think in is it 
that's the third game and we've lost it. So that's going to haunt the players, but they need to try and get over that and get through that and get the win and maybe and, and realise that they actually can do it. Yeah, there's an awful lot of hard luck stories. Uh, there is, like yeah. You go back to Portugal, how brilliantly they played that night, even the away game in Serbia, Slovakia. Like Their best performances have been against good opposition away from home, yet there's, yeah. there's nothing... To show, to show yeah. for it yeah. and maybe it is that bit of listen Stephen Kenny said he'd never said it don't have the players so I don't think we should ever go to that but you know I asked yeah. Jason Knight about the occasion he said oh I've played big games in the Aviva like, yeah. like the intensity of that game on Saturday night I'd say he hasn't experienced too often before yet for Scott McTominay that's, that's a run yeah. of the mill thing like he like, it's a relief a release for him going up to play for Scotland from what he's been at at Manchester United and John McGinn as well really in the second half looked like a player playing yeah. at a different standard and those guys, McTominay and McGinn particularly, they relish occasions like that. They do it week in, week out. You know, they, as you say, McTominay, that's his game at United, getting in the faces of the opponent, you know, disrupting the rhythm, trying to put your opponent off. And McGinn is exactly the same at Villa. Um, and they're experts at doing it. And as much as our guys are saying maybe they're doing that week in, week out, they're not used to that type of intensity. I don't think they are anyway. Um, you know, and a lot of these guys started off their career during COVID times and played many games without fans, you know, so maybe they're only facing these type of occasions now. Um, but I think really when you're analysing overall, you've got to go back to the beginning of, of the campaign and we got off on the wrong foot losing away to Armenia. I mean, that was a disaster. Let's face it, that's a team we should be beating. And you saw Ukraine practically reserve team beat them 5-0 um, the other day. And I think anything less than a good victory for us tomorrow night would be a disaster. But that sort of sets the tone then for the campaign um, you know, you're chasing your tail all along and then you're only getting four points from the top two teams. You know, that's not good enough. It's left as well off the pace. And, you you know, you're, you're starting to chase your tail the whole time. But it's getting on the right side of all those small margins that we need to do going forward, um, I think, to try to turn this around. Uh, Ireland have in those games away from home quite often been a, a counter-attacking team. Uh, tomorrow night at home against what we perceive to be weaker opposition like do you do you expect a different style of football like does that midfield presuming he sticks with Cullen Malumbi and Knight like, do they have enough about them that they can control a game and dominate a game and have 65% possession and have that pass that'll open up an Armenian defence if they sit right back You'd expect Armenia to sit right back um, and maybe try and hit us on the counter because you know they're on three points we're on four if, if we don't beat them tomorrow or get a draw we could be the one going down. So so they, they have a chance of staying up as well in this group. Um, I think in the past it was probably, we might have said about Irish teams in general, we couldn't, we found it difficult to break opponents down. But I think this team has enough about them now to do that. Um, you know, I think Malumni's been super. He can pick out a pass from midfield. Um, we have our wing backs can cause problems. You know, we, we can, our, as I mentioned, our, mid, our, our, our center halves can come into midfield and add an extra player. We've got real, real ability up front now. Um, so, you know, I, I think we, we, we definitely have enough to, to beat this team. It's going to be a different style, as you say, um, because they will sit back. And, and we might be patient at times and that's where we're going to need the crowd to get behind the players and they're going to have to dig deep within themselves as well and not let the the, the heads drop, you know, the confidence levels go, things are not going well or if, if they're not getting the early goal. Um, but, but, you know, I, I can't see anything more than a, or anything less rather than a, a, a victory, you know, three or four goals tomorrow night and we badly need it. Uh, maybe it's not the midfield we need to be talking about as opening up the opposition. Maybe it's the defence. Like Nathan Collins. This guy's at a different level. Just strolling around, having them the last night, stepping forward, skipping through challenges, picking out passes. 
he's looking mag- like a magnificent player. He really is. And you're right. He just strolls out midfield. He just glides by players, and, you know, and picking out passes and then getting on the end of them or looking to get on the end of them in the box. He's been a real find this last, during this campaign. And I think he has a really good future ahead. And yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing him as, as time goes on because he's a really, really good player. The three center halves are very good. They were very solid. Um, and I talked, the, mentioned the wing backs as well. You know, you know what you're going to get from McLean. He gives 200% every game, you know, and never lets Ireland down, in fairness. And on the other side, then you have that little bit of quality going forward from uh, Doherty. He's a little bit suspect or maybe more suspect defensively than he is going forward, but he hasn't played too many games either, in fairness. I don't think he's played any actually for Spurs this season. Um, hopefully he's fit to start tomorrow because he definitely adds something going forward, but, Look, we have ability all over the park now. It's about us trying to cut out those uh, those errors in the games or eliminate those defeats and matches that we should be winning. Um, and I think anything less than a, a comprehensive victory tomorrow won't really finish the campaign on a good note for us. No, <clears throat> no it's a fair point. You were talking about Malumbi, and I think it's fair to point out the change in Malumbi since he started to get game time. He's now playing under a manager who, who signed him and wants him, and it's really worked out for him. And we can see the knock-on impact of that. Now, that's not to say he didn't play well enough to get in the Ireland team before that, but uh, the value of players playing all the time for a team like Ireland, Yeah. can you just talk to us a little bit about that? Because it feels like the more players we have playing at whatever level, the better it is. Even Jason Knight, who is down one division below at least where we think he should be playing, Yeah. the value of him playing week in, week out can't yeah. be overstated at this point. Yeah, no, you need to, players need to be playing. It's as simple as that, you know, and it's at every level. I mean, you even see with the women's national team, you know, Vera's going to pick the players that are playing. Um, and no matter how good a player is, if they're sitting on the bench and they're not playing week in, week out, you know, you're not going to be as sharp. You're not going to be as, uh, as you know, on top of your game. You're not going to be as match fit. Um, and I think that was the reason Stephen left um Shane Duffy out now mind you as he said himself he contradicts himself a little bit with Doherty but Doherty is very fit at the moment because Spurs are are doing super super additional training under Conti but it's so important especially for midfield players you know to be on top of the game and because that's the engine room and that's where you want to create uh, you know that's where your creativity most is going to come from so those players need to be playing week in week out and you can see the difference in Malumni he's always always been a, a super player but now as you say he's playing at a team where he's getting game time he's being valued and he's really shown his, his, his quality and I thought he was excellent on Saturday I really did um, but before we let you go it would be remiss of us not to talk a bit about uh, Claire Shine who has announced her decision to retire from football she is only 27 but it's been um, uh, a jam-packed life that Claire Shine has, has uh, led and her statement is very heartfelt she talks about her happiness and well-being needs to come first but she's excited to begin the next chapter of her life I know you would have worked with Claire Shine at various stages across her career can you just talk to us a little bit about um, the shift that she's put in do you know what Claire is, has, is one of the most talented players naturally talented players we ever had here um, like she brought, she she was part of that uh, team Noel King's team that won the, the, the silver medal the under 17s in Europe back in the day in 2010 and then went to the World Cup she was one of the younger uh, players a couple of years younger than the Denise O'Sullivan's Megan Campbell's who were the, the main players at the time so she didn't get a lot of game time but that's you know how, how long she's been involved um, before that even you 
you know, at club level, she just scored goals for fun. At representative, regional representative level here in tournaments that we had, she scored goals for fun. She always had the talent. She then was part of our under 19, uh, 19 team that got semi final in 2014 of the European Championships under Dave Connell. Again, scored a couple of vital goals against a, big, a couple of, of uh, big teams. Always a great goal scorer, a great finisher, lovely kid. Um, yes, I had her in and around the squad uh, with myself. Um, I, I think I did cap her actually. Then she she went to Scotland. I know she got a bad injury. I think with the 19s when Katie just made got through to the the national team. Um, Claire was sort of next to come up, and I think she might have broke her leg or something and was injured, so missed out for a while. But what a talented player and, and yeah she she's had a lot going on in her life but look you know it, it was a heartfelt statement it was sad to see her finishing her career um but she's doing what she needs to do for herself and she's right and i'm sure she's got lots of great people around her and her family and friends and in the club i know glasgow city are great um i know the girls are at that own that club and, and they really look after the players so you know i'm sure they're looking after her well and i think she's going to stay involved in the club i'm not sure to what capacity but a great great talent and she's done great things for Ireland at all the age levels over the years so i only wish her well in the future yeah, it, it is important that um, people who come forward and talk about their mental health are given the space to tell their story and that we uh, try and use that story coming out to understand the pressures that the next generation are coming through because, you know, for, for in many ways, women's full-time professional sports, uh, soccer in particular, is, is a new sport and it comes with new specific challenges that we haven't experienced before. So when someone like Claire comes forward and tells her story, we need to listen and we need to implicate the lessons of what she's saying into how we deal with the younger kids coming through now. Absolutely. And, you know, I read her book there when it came out uh, a few months ago and I'll be honest with you, it brought tears to my eyes reading it and stuff. You know, she was so honest and the things she went through and like I and I'm sure many other people involved in the game here, apart from her close family and circle of friends, had no idea what she was going through. And when you think back, you know, that she was going through those things and, you know, we were around at the time we didn't know and, and she couldn't reach out for help or, or didn't feel she could. And it just made me sad, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, She's been so brave. She she's you know come forward. She's spoken. She spoke. She's spoken so well. And I've heard her speak on TV and the radio in her book. She was so honest, and it is very important because yes, girls are facing that more and more now. And you know maybe younger boys at that age are in professional clubs. They have maybe a better structure around them to deal with those type of pressures whereas our game is a younger game it's not at that level yet so girls like Claire and, and, and others you know that are facing issues like that they do need support and it's important that they speak out or it's important that we as coaches or people that they're playing with can try and help them as much as possible but yes it was great to hear her tell her story and hopefully it inspires other girls who are going through similar issues and boys of course to speak up and, and seek help uh, and the help is always there. Yeah, we wish her the very best in her retirement. Sue, great to have you with us this morning. Thanks a million. Cheers. Yeah, take care. Bye-bye. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.